Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. As Wes mentioned, we are week two into our Disciple series and excited to, to launch the theme. Last Sunday, we, uh, we kicked things off with just, I don't know if it was good for your soul, but I know it just refreshed my soul again. These five core parts of our DNA. Who, who are we as disciples, as followers of Jesus? We're Jesus-focused, Bible-based, love-fueled, spirit-empowered, and then unified around our mission. But today we pick it up where, okay, if, if we're unified around our mission, what is our mission? And we know that's to make disciples, to help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. But what is a disciple becomes the question. And if you've been around our church family for a while, I hope the five words come to your mind. Worship, reach, connect, grow, serve. Today we're, we're locking in on that word reach. As disciples of, of the Lord, we're, we are called to reach people who are far from him with his compassion. So... We, uh, the, the word is reach, the habit that, we're to, that, that we challenge each other, other with is to live with a one-life focus, meaning we're praying for at least one life, one person who's far from God. And that, the heart attitude that we see in Christ, that we seek to have, is, is compassion. As we follow our Lord, when he came to earth, we watch him, watch him live, what was his focus? What was he doing? What, what do we see him? And, and it's Many times we see him, he verbalizes it. I have come to seek and save the lost. And so today we are simply going to, to drop into a moment. It's a, an ordinary afternoon. We see our Lord is actually very tired and he's at his low, which is, it's neat as John, for is where we'll be, but John gives us a picture of our Lord's uh, humanity. John is, in his gospel, emphasizes our Lord's deity, that he is fully God. But in this moment, this afternoon, He's tired, but the afternoon takes an unexpected turn, and what happens is we watch him on mission, and we awaken to three realities that fuel us in our, our mission to seek to reach as he, he reached. So if you would join me in John chapter 4, that's where we'll be. We'll walk through this text, relive this moment, and then we'll unpack these three realities or, or awaken to these three realities that will help us as we seek to follow him. The first, uh, first verse, John chapter four, verse one says, now when, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was going, he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. And so uh, just to get the, uh, the geography in our minds. So he was in Judea, Jerusalem is south. Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, where he spent much of his time was in the north. In between is Samaria. So, so he's going through. Samaritans and Jews had a 400 year feud going on. That was, it was bitter to the fact that, to the point where some committed Jews would actually go across the Jordan, go around Samaria, and then take another, take a left and go back to Galilee, just so they wouldn't have to go through Samaria. But for whatever reason, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town 
in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? John lets us know his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And again, John clues us into the cultural uh, awkwardness that's happening here. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Bitter, bitter uh, conflict, but also she's a woman. And, And she emphasizes that I'm a Samaritan woman. A rabbi was not to even speak to a woman in public. So here we see Jesus just jumping gender barriers, but also racial barriers But then he says this, Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who asks you for a drink, you might circle who it is. This is really the the entire moment is him helping her awaken to his identity. But he says, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so here we see Jesus um, tying to the, the physical reality of water assigning a spiritual reality. We know in John 7, he'll flesh this out, the living water being the Holy Spirit that, that would we receive as we come to him in faith. The, uh, he, the woman says, sir, give me this water so that I don't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw, to draw water. And at this point, you, you can't, I wish we could see her face, but most commentators feel she's, she's like, all right, who is this guy? And what do you mean? You're gonna, you've got water that's going to satisfy my thirst. I won't have to come back out here. Okay, I'll play along with your little whatever we're doing here. It's almost as if she says this in jest. Pour me a cup. All right, I'll take this. Smile on her face. But then he, he keeps going. He says, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replies. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, You have had five husbands, and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Just pausing here for a moment, you think about um, five husbands, five relationships that have been broken, and the amount of pain, we don't know the details. Maybe some of these husbands died. but we can assume there is a lot of pain, a lot of probably rejection. Five husbands, and she's with another guy, and it's clear she doesn't want to reveal this, but she's living out with a guy outside of marriage, living in center um, before God immorally. Jesus goes right to this, and uh, she, uh, we don't know if, if um, not sure if, She's trying to get the focus off herself, her personal life, and say, okay, obviously you're a prophet, let's talk church, or what's going on? But she says this, sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet, I discern you are a prophet. Our ancestors worship, worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim 
that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. The Samaritans, Samaritans were uh, Jews who intermarried with Gentiles. And so they, through the captivity season, they developed their own hybrid of Judaism. They had their own mountain that they, their own mountain that they worshiped on, their own temple that they built. They had their own, they had the Bible, the Torah, but it was a, they tweaked it and had their own form of religion. And so Jesus says, uh, woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the father, neither on this mount, neither on this mountain, nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. And we could run down that rabbit trail, but beautiful reminder that God chose Abraham. He's referencing back to Genesis chapter 12, one to three, through Abraham, through a Jew, Hebrew, he would bless all nations. Ultimately, Christ would come through the Jewish line, through Abraham. Verse 23 says, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. There's been some question, is he referring to the Holy Spirit or our, just our spirit, our immaterial part of us? John Piper, scholar, says it's, it's both. I think if I had to pick one or the other based on this context, what he's doing is drawing a distinction between worshiping God in a specific place, externals, traditions, all those things, and what the worship that God desires is within. But what God cares about is the heart, and, and it's, um, it's, it's spiritual. It's the immaterial part of us in which we, we connect with our Lord and we worship him. And that's the worship he desires, and in truth, which means accordance with reality. The woman said, and it's almost as if she's head spinning here, like, okay, <laughs> all this talk, I'm not sure what to make of it. She says, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us, and this is the moment. Then he said, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And our Lord reveals his identity to this one lady who's living in sin, just going about her everyday life, knocking this chore off of getting water. And I wish we could see her face in this moment. Can you imagine? <laughs> Me, here at this well, with the Messiah? Can you? And some scholars say we, we probably have Cliff Note version of, of the conversation, but oh, what she must. But we know immediately um, the disciples here says, just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a, with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see. A man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. But I tell you, open your eyes, look to the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And so what's the takeaway for us as we watch our Lord live on mission on this ordinary afternoon? And as we watch him and listen in to this conversation, three realities 
he, he opens our eyes to and we awaken to. And as we see these, they equip us and inspire us to follow him as we seek to live on mission. The first one is, the first reality to see today and just see it afresh is the gift to share. The gift to share. He's sitting there at that well and asks, hey, I need some water. And she's like, why are you asking me? And he's like, if you only knew the gift that I would give you if you just asked for me. Verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And I love this moment as we see the heart of our God. Our God is a, a God who, who delights to give. And why did Jesus come? It was to give us one life at a time, one lady at a time, one man at a time, child at a time, living water. The gift of eternal life. You say, what is this living water? And he fleshes it out with the words eternal life. But we know this is a growing relationship with the, the living God through faith in Jesus Christ. And then Jesus draws the contrast between ordinary water and living water. So the water that she was uh, getting was from this well, which we still have, you can go see the well today. It's 100, around 100 feet deep. But it's water that's collected from the rain and percolates from the ground. So it's stagnant. You can drink it, it's good, but it's not living water. In this culture, when they said living water, it was the water that you picture a mountain stream flowing, gurgling, bubbling. It's clear, it's clean, it's cool, it's refreshing, or a spring that's just bubbling up. And Jesus is saying, hey, you can get this water, stagnant, muddy, whatever. Or you ask me and I will give you living water, water that's just... And in fact, and then he draws the, the spiritual parallel. I always think of the... the, the uh, during basketball practice, we had some drinking fountains outside the gym that just had living water. They powered up. You weren't trying to suck water out of them. It was just powered up and just refreshed you. And this is the water that, that he's speaking of, talking about um, the joy of our relationship with him. What a beautiful moment for this woman. Ordinary day, out doing her chores, and the living God meets with her. God meets with her. And we see Jesus in his humanity, probably ready to take a nap, but he enters this conversation and we see his heart. We see his care for her. And his goal is to share with her the living water, the gift of eternal life. If you knew the gift of God, her story is our story, isn't it? For those of us who know Christ, there was a day in our life when God met with us at our point of thirst. You think about all the things we thirst for as humans and are never fully satisfied. We thirst for security. We thirst for love and belonging. We, we thirst for significance and meaning and purpose. We thirst for healing. We thirst for pleasure. And uh, the stuff of this world, it does not satisfy. And he sits there and, and through whatever means, through a person who shared with us and as we heard his word and he opened our eyes to who he is he has satisfied us hasn't he we still drift into those moments where we chase this stuff thinking it will satisfy us and he waits and we return to him and as augustine said our souls are restless till they find their rest in thee as we awaken to the gift of our salvation as we celebrate this precious gift that god has given us eternal life living water it fires us up to share it with others, doesn't it? 
As Jesus was talking with this woman, I wonder if what he was seeing was if this woman who's been through five marriages is working on another relationship, hoping this will satisfy, I have a cup of something that will satisfy her. And what would it look like if she was living fully satisfied in this? He's seen her satisfied. What if as we interact with the people around us and one life at a time, what would your friend who doesn't know God, who's seeking to satisfy themselves with the stuff of this world look like when they meet Christ? And then it just pumps you up to say, okay, now how can I talk about him? How can I point them to him? How can I share this precious gift? of salvation. The second reality that awakens us um, to our mission and fuels our mission is the food that, that we have to consume. We see this in the, uh, as Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus was tired and then energized. The disciples were like, what, what happened? Did someone bring him some food? And, and Jesus reveals what fired me up was this opportunity to, uh, do what the Father's called me to do, to do the Father's will and, um, and help this lady into a, a relationship with, with myself. The uh, interesting as we think about success and even in the realm of evangelism and appreciated Jan's comments on we, we want to see the fruit, don't we? We want to see the results. And yet, what is success for the Christian and for us? Even as we go out and seek to share Christ, it's not results. That's God's business. Success for us is obedience. It's to do the Father's will. I love what uh, Lindsay Stewart and our staff devos a couple weeks ago shared the, uh, the devotional, something that Elizabeth Elliot uh, wrote. And her husband, Jim, and, and four others died seeking to give the gospel to a tribe. And people would ask her, it says, um, she was constantly asked if the men's mission on Palm Beach was a su- success. The, the word was like worthless currency to her. The only measure of any human action came down to one thing, obedience. She'd look at the interviewer as if success, the success question was dull. Yes, yes, of course. After all, they knew God wanted them to go to the tribe and they were obedient to his leading. Next question. What was success for our Lord? What's success for us? It's obedience to the will of, of the Father. It's living, I'm in step with him. But, but did you notice the word in this, my food is to do, to do the will of him who sent me. As Jesus lived, he was living sent. 44 times in the book of John, he refers to himself as one sent. Sent to do what? Sent to share the good news of God's grace with people. Sent to share, give this gift of living water. And then he turns to us in John 21 and he sends us as well. We have been sent, we are ambassadors. And I think one of the dangers of of doing life together as Christians is, and even in our small groups, we love getting together, we get into God's word, we learn about him, we huddle together and care for each other, and that's all good. But unless there is an apostolic mission that's beating in our soul and beating in our community, we're missing it. That's why we're here, is to be sent to people who don't know him to share this precious gift. I love this um, book, called Sent, by, written by a couple that um, worked for Crew, And there's one survey they revealed from Barna that, that blew me away. away. 47% of Christians surveyed in 2019 reported that it was, 47% of Christians reported that it was wrong to share your faith with another. They were sampling the millennials. 
It's like, man, no. This is, God has called, he, he has sent us. The will of God for us is to be his, his ambassadors, to share the gospel, to be bold in that, respectful, loving, but bold in that. So what was fueling our Lord is to do the, his will, finish his work, and may that be our fuel as well. Third reality we see in this text that as we awaken to this, it fuels us to live on mission is the field to harvest, the field to see. This is really the imperative in the text as Jesus says to his disciples, open your eyes and look to the fields. They are ripe for harvest. He starts that though by saying, don't you have a saying it's still four months to harvest. So the, the growing season was you plant a seed, you water it and you wait and then harvest is four months later. But what's he saying here? Not now. Not in this dispensation. Today, we don't wait four months for harvest. You plant and you reap in the same day. Look. And scholars say probably what he was pointing to when he said, look and see. The people from Samaria, or from uh, Sychar, were coming out. And very possibly, those were the, the harvest fields. They were, the harvest fields were moving towards them. And I think about even the world coming to us as, as uh, here in the U.S., He's looked, these fields are ripe for harvest. Our Lord's challenge to us is open our eyes to look to the fields. It's harvest time. I'm not a farmer, but I can, I, I feel like I feel the earth. And Doug, I love uh, getting to chat with him about how's, how's the fields, how's the, how are the crops? And even this week, driving down Mackey, I don't know if you felt this, but seeing these beans go brown and the corn get, start to sag, and it's like, it's harvest time. These farmers, are you guys ready? We got to get out and get this before the snow flies. All this work that has gone into planting and, and we got to go harvest. This is the kind of urgency with which God is calling us to see the people in our lives. People at work, people in our families, people in our third space, your workout, where, where you go to work out, where you go to watch your kids play, you know, sports, school, what you do for fun, to, to think about the harvest is ripe. Who is God drawing to himself? He's at work today. What are the fields, again, and what was the priority of our Lord? It's people. I love how this story ends. The people come out and they believe. Many believe in him. And then they say, come Stay with us at Sychar. To which I expect him to say, no, I don't have time. I'm headed to Galilee. I've, I've get, we're uh, on a certain schedule, but I certainly don't have time to go hang out in Sychar with enemies. It's already been awkward out here at the well. We don't want to make an awkward situation more awkward. He goes and stays with them for two days. Seek the Lord and he will draw near to you. He goes. I think about my own life, and the challenge for me this week was time. Am I willing to be interrupted for days, if God would, would call me to be interrupted, to be with people? Open your eyes, look to the fields, it's harvest time. May we see the one in front of us as the Lord sees us. So, the action step for us today. So, this is the, the other big thing that's happening today. We're praying this will, be a move, this will get a movement started in our hearts and our church family that will hit our community, and, and here it is, the 21-day One Life Initiative. 21-day One Life Initiative. So starting today, ending October the 8th, would you be willing to pray for one life, one person that God brings to your mind who may not know him, and pray daily for this person?
This, uh, you can text one life, it's, and it is one word, to this number or scan this QR code. And I would encourage you, I didn't bring my phone up here, to do it right now. I've, I haven't done this yet, but just take time. And what we will do is every day to start the day, we will send you a, an encouragement. It will have a truth, it'll have a question, and it'll have an action step that will help you in the, the journey. So we'll, we'll send this to you. And then um, there's a card on your, should be a card on your chair. If you want to take that, write the person's name or the people's name and set that in a place that you can be praying for them. Hopefully that will be an encouragement to you. We'll, uh, I'm gonna, I put one on my nightstand and one at my desk here at work. And then on September 30th, this was Clayton Edwards had the idea, what if we all as a church prayed for 24 hours for our one lives? So Abby will send out a sign up for this, but basically just take an hour and commit to just lift up your one life during that hour. And we'll have a list of other things to be praying for, things like open initiative and stuff like that. But we will pray from, that's a Saturday from nine o'clock in the morning till Sunday. We'll end it here together, that, that 24 hours of prayer. And just, man, pray God will send out workers into his harvest field, help us enter with boldness, conversations. And, and then uh, what, what the Lord will do through that is just exciting to think about. Our hope is that over the next 21 days, we'll live awake to the reality that we have a gift to share. That we'll let the food that, that, that energized our Lord energize us and that we will see, we'll look and see the, the fields that are ripe for harvest. This is a story that I have been um, just so pumped to get to share with you and waiting for some time and... Just, it is, this is awesome. This is, this is God moment. September 13th, nine years ago, this time, this past week, hard week for our church family as um, two things happened. One, Jim, uh, Justin Siller, um, heart stopped, and, but thankfully he, he was saved and he is with us. But uh, Diana Huff suffered a severe stroke and lost her ability, many of her abilities, one of them was to speak, but God preserved her life, and though she cannot speak, he, she, her faith is even greater, and her love vi- um, just um, radiates from her even more. She began speech therapy. COVID hits. Couldn't go see her therapist, so they started an online speech therapy three years ago with a, a, a guy that um, they just loved, young man that um, they developed a friendship with, and they began praying for his salvation. They also began sneaking in little bits of the gospel. <laughs> As you know, Larry and Diana, um, just God loves you and, and who Jesus is. Two weeks ago, the session, their insurance was running out, and they came to their final session with this, this guy. Three years of meeting with, with him. And Larry said, I, I need to share something with you. And Diana's praying, Larry's sharing, and he takes them through the Romans road, who Jesus is. God loves you. He gave his son for you. Whoever, to, to die on the cross for our sin. And he promises eternal life to whoever believes and trusts in him. Do you want to receive him as your savior today? And the answer was yes. And they prayed through tears several weeks ago. What I love about that is it's God. 
And here you have a couple who could have said, our life is over. We're stuck in this house. I don't have a voice. It's over. But God's still working. You talk about love. Diana loves him, prays for him. And he, one life in front of them. They're faithful to be a witness, to live sent. And now that one life, we pray he will share with his family. And we pray even be a part of our church family one day, but will be forever with the Lord awesome, isn't it? And today, maybe you're listening to this and you haven't received Christ as your Savior. I invite you and and his invitation is open to you today. Trust him as your Savior. And we'd love to talk with you and um, more about this living water. Truly, as as, as Jan mentioned, he satisfies our soul. When he is our delight, nothing else. And we have him for all eternity. For the rest of us, maybe God was just stoking your heart today to live on mission. And I invite you to just recommit to that. In a moment, we'll pray and, and I'll lead us through some prayers. But, but could I just challenge you to pray once again, Lord, here am I, send me. Send me to anyone, anywhere, anytime. Here am I, send me. And we'll, uh, why don't we stand to pray just in, in a posture of action Would you just uh, take a moment and thank the Lord for the gift of, of your salvation? Just express in your own words gratitude for the way he satisfies you. And now take a moment to just pray that prayer. Lord, here am I, send me. I'm willing. And then would you ask God for one life to be lifting up in prayer and to be building a, a, a friendship with one life? Just ask him now to bring to mind someone who he would have you be praying for. And now ask him for open doors and courage, love, Father, we just praise you today for the hope, the the love, the joy, and the peace that you have given us in knowing you. You, We have been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And and now you've given us the opportunity to share this with people around us. And we thank you that the the results are not up to us, that you are at work, and yet you've called us to be co-workers and being faithful to, to live and to share the beauty of who you are, Jesus. And so we pray a harvest, God. We uh, pray that we would be faithful as we go out these 21 days, that you would help us stay awake to, to just this precious gift of, of salvation that we can share with others. We pray that you would help us to be fueled, to do your will, to live sent. And then, Lord, that uh, we would see what you see as we look at people. We thank you for this time together, Father, and we pray as we go out that we would go by your power, for your glory, and with your love. And We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.